0: And we're back with more of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. This week, we're going to talk about our burning question. And this week's burning question is, is the internet broken? I've thought about this a lot. I, uh, I'm i on the internet quite a bit. Uh, a lot of what we do is based on Google. So a lot of the, the documents that we use, a lot of the programs that we have, we're sending emails constantly. Emails are coming. They're flying in and out, going to wherever they need to go. But one thing i wanted to ask is the internet broken what is the purpose of the internet should it be a place where everyone can speak freely and exchange information and ideas or does that kind of open forum end up privileging the loudest and most extreme voices does it naturally lead to trolling fake news and clickbait this is a story from the new york times they ask people to take two sides of this and kind of answer that question so i'm fortunate to have with me two of the smartest people that i know and they're here they're going to help us get to the bottom of this so, uh, Mr. Lumpkin, I, I figured I'd ask you. I know you've actually been on the Internet. You were at a YouTube channel. You were an uh, Internet celebrity at one point. Tell me, do you think the Internet is broken?
1: So, this is actually a question that I've thought on and actually had late out discussions with people quite a bit, and that's because usually it stems from a social media site that I uh, spent a whole lot of time on, and if we have students listening may or may not know of, and if they do know of, I may be embarrassing myself. Um, I spent quite a bit of time in my college years on a little blog site called Tumblr. I know what that is. Yeah. Tumblr was a blog site that back in the day was basically where you could find anything for your fandom. So if you were into stuff like, oh, God, Sherlock or Doctor Who or any other, like, obscure thing, you could find people making content for it, excited about it, talking about it yeah it's not that anymore um and i'm going to try not to talk too much about what it is now because it's it's a mess uh either from the amount of bots that are on there providing advertisements to the groups that are on there that have shared content that is not in any way appropriate for any place of the internet world or anything else Um, But I usually get into discussion with that because it ended up being a website that was made or a, a social media that was made for people to be able to share stuff to discuss with each other. And it went from there to being something completely different, but it was something completely different because of the people that used it. and. I would like to say the way that people end up using the Internet nowadays is definitely broken if we're looking at the standpoint of being broken or fixed or right or wrong, being at a standpoint of what the Internet used to be the way the internet the way that i see it is supposed to be this way that we communicate information we, it's a series of tubes if i'm going to call back to i guess oh, my yeah. friend al gore right no he didn't say that. It was another politician oh, he oh well but <laughs> <laughs> it's a series of tubes for information to get back and forth for people to be able to share this free flowing of information and that's developed since the 90s when i first started well i guess i technically started on the internet Two thousand four, so I can't even see the nineties. From the early two thousands where me playing old school Ruinscape developed into seeing more stuff that's going on the internet and people being able to blog and people being able to share their information readily through either YouTube, Twitter, or anything else. And I've seen that
0: development. A series of tubes, not to cut you off, Mr. Lincoln, was it. actually United States Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska who said that.
1: Mm-hmm. Ted Stevens. I'll have to look him up later. <laughs> hey, Alaska too? Alaska, that's oh. right. But I'll still stand by that, by it being a series to to actually spread information, to be able to share information, and to globalize a little bit. Uh, Either the information that people are sharing is not the information that people want to see, or perhaps there's just been a change in the culture as far as the way the internet is being worked. But as far as the internet is now, it is definitely a place to be able to share ideas, feelings, and thoughts, but it's hard to look and see the actual truth at this point when it comes to certain stuff or the actual meaningful and usefulness of a lot of other stuff. I mean, at this point, uh, part of my, uh, as a teacher right now, part of my job as an educator is being able to show science students how to do research, which I'm sure both of you know quite a bit of because I'm sure you've done quite a bit mm-hmm. of it yourself. And being able to use this internet that was meant to be the series of tools to be able to share information and actually having to give almost a a tutorial in how to look at information that is actually either one appropriate or two useful. I feel like that's not what the internet was supposed to be for. Now it ends up being this sort of, I don't know, soapbox that whoever has the most money to be able to put up the most advertising or who can shout the loudest or can say the most outrageous thing and get the most clicks to actually get money from ad revenue Ends up taking the precedent over anything else, and I think that is intrinsically broken. Do I know the way to fix it? Absolutely not. Hmm. All right, that's well, interesting. Mm-hmm. I
2: use ad blockers, so I don't even see ads. So if they're trying to get revenue from me, <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> the school also uses ad. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I think that it's hard to say that the internet is is. Is broken per se. I mean, mine's working fine. I mean, I'm a <laughs> signal here, okay good. Uh, I would say that it's it's. You know the old phrase: too many chefs in the kitchen ruins the meal. I do know that phrase. That's a good sign. So I think that's that's one of the issues because the United States. Is a country that prides itself on freedom of speech. Absolutely. And while we do have freedom of speech, when you say something that's offensive or outrageous, it does have consequences that could affect your, you know, career or whatever. You know, Hollywood actors have this happen to them a lot. We talked about this before with some actors that have said things that were we have, you know, you know, really messed up and they get fired for it. But I think the problem goes when the government starts trying to enforce that. And I don't know if you're familiar with the NBA story with the, the Hong Kong protests. Oh, I'm very aware. I have I have thoughts on this. But yes. And also Twitter has been like giving people warnings where they say like, what you've tweeted violates the law of, you know, Pakistan or something. And it's like, well, if you don't even live there, what's, what's the point of saying that? You know, I think that's the problem. I think that, and it's hard to, to even like specify like, who should be in charge of that. But I think when everybody's trying to have their way, it causes problems, you know, it's like, I want the internet to be this way, says China. And then like people either agree or disagree, depending on what, you know, like Mr. Lumpkin said, the bottom line is with money or whatever. And, you know, then you have like, well, I want the internet to be this way, says another country. And, you know, it just causes like the same thing I said earlier, too many chefs spoiling the the pot, right? Spoiling the soup. Mm -hmm. And so, that I think is the biggest issue because you've all these people with their own opinions, about what to do about it. I looked at some of the comments on the article Mr. Uh, Hare shared. I don't know if this thing is supposed to be satirical or not, but somebody said, uh, let me see here. One of the comments says they should ban, you know, the heinous things they should ban conspiracy theories and they should have a system where they take down, you know, some of the offensive footage. And they should have a system determining whether or not a viral
1: video is cursed. (laughs) Is that supposed to be satire or is that person serious? Cursed images are a very real thing, Mr. Moreland. If you do not like, comment, subscribe, and then reblog this or repost this to nine of your followers, you you know that's just when they're coming for you, right? I usually (laughs) err on the side of personal
2: responsibility. So, I mean, I think that other than, you know, the obvious – Illegal things on the internet that people are aware of. Uh, the internet should be a free form of ideas, even obscene and outrageous ones. Because, like I tell my students all the time, if I would rather know what somebody thinks, sure, mm. and be able to determine whether or not that person either needs an intervention or I could even, you know, have a discussion with that person, than not know and you know think I'm talking to somebody who is a logical person and then end up finding out that they're, you know, not, I would err on the side of freedom over, you know, restrictions. But at the same time, I think instead of looking at the internet and saying the internet's broken or asking if the internet's broken, I think it's the people that are broken. It's not the internet. And that doesn't mean like, Oh, you're broken. So you're helpless. It means you're broken and you need support to, you know, see a new perspective or think about things differently. Like for example, if somebody's a racist and posting racist things on the internet, as long as that person's not dead, there's still hope for them to change their mind and become a different person. Now, that needs to be something that's legitimate because you can't you can just pretend to be, like I said, you can pretend to be somebody you're not and then not actually be that way. But if a legitimate change happens, which is very difficult because once you have a certain, you know, reputation, it's really difficult to change it. You're not going to change that person's mind by shutting them out, or by silencing them, or by restricting them from saying things. You're going to change their mind by presenting new ideas that are better and new philosophies that are more just than by shutting them out. Because when you shut them out, you incubate them, in my opinion, and they just, you know, reaffirm their ideas. Oh, see, I can't say this because it's controversial. That must mean it's true. Not necessarily. It just means that. People don't like to hear it that doesn't mean that it's right you know what I mean sure, so I would always argue on the side of convincing people that they're wrong through a free form of ideas than just silencing them because some people might not like the ideas
0: i I think you both have really great points again like i said i'm 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 fortunate to be around people who think about things deeply and have really good thoughts on these discussions that we have together i don't take this idea that the internet is broken. I, I don't think the internet is broken at all. I think that the internet may suffer from some of the same things that happen to all forums, all public forums. Uh, Mr. Lumpkin made a really good point. It comes down to who is the loudest, who has the most money, who has the most outrageous ideas. Well, that's really no different than any no, other form of media. Really not. <laughs> you know, Mr. Mr. Morland makes a really good point. Like if you shut people out, then they're either going to incubate themselves and get worse Mm. or they're going to find a way to spread their ideas that may not be as conducive to having a conversation as possible and realistically that happens with any form of media so if you have ideas and you go to write something to the editor on your newspaper and your newspaper reads it and says we can't print this then the same thing can happen you can become more insulated in your ideas and you can find a way to get angry about it i think what's wound up happening is the internet is more ubiquitous than any other form of media past to in the past. Um, the, the internet is to the point where every human being who has any access to electronic devices can get access to the internet. And we have never at any time in our previous past had the ability for every human being to communicate with every other human being through any other form of media. I find, and I've tried this, to relay this to my students, we are all in the process of furthering the chain of human of human knowledge. That's what we do in school. That's what we do in any scenario where we write our thoughts down, and we want to send those thoughts. We're already trying to communicate with somebody when we write it down and send it somewhere. We want to communicate to someone in the future. That's the point. You're trying to send your thoughts to someone else, and hopefully someone else can read it and make a decision on, man, that guy's got a great idea. Or, man, this guy's got a bad idea. But in either case, we're trying to reach out to somebody else. I don't know if my words are ever going to echo across the eons. We talk on this podcast once a week. Someone in the future will listen to it. Maybe they'll get inspired. Maybe they won't. But the fact that I have that forum to do so, I think that's a good thing. I think more people having access to ideas is a good thing. I also find that if you want to have reasonable debate, the Internet is not the forum for that. Yes, we can have reason debate in person yes we can have reason debate at you know in a newspaper where we're having crossing editorials yes we can sometimes have it with talking heads and pundits on tv which i would argue is more broken than the internet punditry Mm -hmm. yes that's again a personal opinion but i think that when you have you want to have a reasonable debate you have to do that in person i don't know that the internet lends itself to quote reasonable debate because again I may tweet something and put my phone down and not look at it again and someone may read that and go i'm angry that this person has tweeted this information because i, I don't see them directly and i'm not affected by them and immediately when i have a conversation with mr morland mr morland can look at me squarely and say i disagree with you and here's why and we can have a conversation as opposed to just shouting at each other in all caps on the internet mm-hmm. so again I, I think that when it comes down to the internet itself I don't know that we need to re-examine the internet. I think we need to re-examine how we use the internet. I found that the the generations coming up having had the internet their entire lives are doing that. They have they reexamined how they use the internet and reuse it. I know Mr. Morland and Mr. Mr. Moreland can probably uh, uh, identify with me a little more when I say, yeah, Mr. Lumpkin, you being on Tumblr, that's great. Uh, we had a little thing with this guy named Tom called Myspace. <laughs> I, I was not on Myspace because I thought it was a very odd thing to want to be on Myspace because this guy named Tom was everybody's friend. I thought it was a little creepy. If I would have said that, if you, it would be equivalent to if Mark Zuckerberg was on your friends list and it was on everybody's friends list. Nobody wants that. At least I think nobody wants that. I didn't have a, a
2: MySpace for very long, and that's kind of why I've been shying away from social media to begin with. Not because I don't see the, the benefits in it. Absolutely. But because it just seems like
0: an artificial means of communication. And I agree with you there. I think that's the problem is that... It's artificial because you're not engaging. You're engaging with the internet. You are not engaging with the people. And I think that's where the breakdown has really come in. I mean, you've got people shouting at each other, but realistically, they're typing on their computer and then they're hitting send and they're not engaging with other people. They're probably quickly reading or just taking, you know, whatever they see and go, oh, this is the first thing I saw or, or what I believe was right, as opposed to reasonable research position like mr lumpkin said you know it's it's hard to do research and so you go with the first thing that agrees with you and say this is the truth but the reality is objective truth is a constant struggle as a physicist i i I make it my mission to always be looking for objective truth and not getting to objective truth i don't know what the right answer is well i think as as digital pioneers as we're called correct mm -hmm
2: uh teaching digital natives it's kind of funny because i don't know about you guys but like when i ask a student what does this word mean and they don't know you have a laptop right in front of you type it in (laughs) and look it up and look it up and like you have to tell them to do that it's almost like it's like because we had dictionaries growing up we knew you could look stuff up absolutely but they don't access the dictionary like we did so I, i i think sometimes we're too hard on them because yes we have the internet yes the internet has information yes we know how to use it because I think we know how to use it better than digital natives because we had to use. It phones. was a change for, change for, us. for us. Yes, yeah. yes
0: absolutely. I, I remember I remember when we first got a computer lab in school, we had old uh, Macintosh computers. <laughs> I'm really mm-hmm. showing my age here. But do you miss typing classes? I do, actually. <laughs> we, had, we had Mario teaches
2: typing. So that was I had, we also we had have,
0: Mavis Beacon. Uh, oh. And and again, it's always I I like the feel of buttons, and I am able to type without looking, and that, that always weirds out uh, it always weirds out people when you're looking at them as they're talking to you, and they see you typing. If you're not paying attention, I know what I'm doing. I got this. I then have to furiously edit it after I'm done. Oh yeah, and even video games. I mean, if you look back at
2: the old Macintosh games, oh, absolutely, it was it was literally words. Oregon Trail, and you had to type in like it was like a haunted house game that they were on like yeah. the yeah computers like. You're in the house. Where do you go? And you type in left. And it was funny because you would sometimes type what you wanted to do in the keyboard
0: and it would say, I don't understand that. Yeah. Or, or the old uh, the math games. Yeah. We actually had a game at our school where uh, it was the 50 states in the union where you had to put the, the state would fall down and you have to put the state where it goes and then the capitals would fall down. You have to put the right capital in the right state. That was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing it but yeah
2: kids who played those games today would think they were the most boring game ever they would I I and then
1: blasters in front of them where they're shooting asteroids by pushing math equations <laughs> they'd probably still be all over it. it would be all over i mean it's
0: probably no different than when they play temple run or whatever there they, you go the, yeah. the game du jour of the week is <laughs> so i don't know i again I, I when it comes to the internet maybe because the internet was an untamed frontier mm. i remember coming of age and not having the internet and then suddenly hey, we now have the internet. And I remember having to navigate that landscape. I used Netscape Navigator, uh, again, another throwback. I used it until it finally was no longer supported by Microsoft, another great fun example. But I, I, I don't know, the internet is, I think the internet is fine. I think the way that we engage with the internet needs to change. So from there, I'd like to go directly into our closing thoughts. Is there anything – well, before we get into the closing thoughts, uh, the poll for this week, Mr. Mullen. We didn't have a poll this week. I, I forgot. But we are making We it. are making a new
2: poll. We're going to make a new poll. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about sports.
0: I'm all for talking about sports. The, Tell us he, that. Tell the us about. Huey
2: Lewis and the News album. Excellent. <laughs> that was released on June 30th in 1984. This was uh, Huey Lewis and the News' quintessential album, certified seven times platinum by the
0: RIAA. Oh, my goodness. Seven million copies sold. Yes, that's
2: right. It was ranked number two on the Billboard year-end album chart for 1984. Who was above that? Spawned four top ten hits. I don't know who it was above that. I have to check. I'm going to look that up. And uh, fifth went top 20. And it did very well internationally. It is a very 80s album. If mm -hmm. anybody has heard this album. It's an eighties album. Like you can't, you can't even deny it. It's so eighties heart and soul heart of rock and roll. Bad is bad. I want a new drug walking on a thin line. Finally found a home. If this is it, you crack me up and honky tonk blues, a Hank Williams cover are the nine tracks on the original listing. Uh, We're going to talk about this album and we're going to put a poll out to pick what your favorite hit from the album was. do You guys have your own favorite song from the album?
0: I do. Uh, mine is definitely uh, Heart and Soul. Why do you like Heart and Soul? Written by Mike
2: Chapman and Nicky Chin.
0: Uh, the main reason was I, I remember it as a as a very young as a very young person. I remember my parents just having it playing from time to time or whenever we'd be riding in the car, I'd right hear it like, Oh, this is a fun song. So it's just very nostalgic. It reminds me of being a very young man, that's all.
1: Okay. Mr. Lumpkin. So this one definitely is a little bit before my time, being born in 1992. But I will say my favorite is a, uh, and I'm probably being the controversial one here, is I want a New drug. I just think it's kind of kind of kind of <laughs> It's got like a little beat to it. i like I like that. <laughs> you know about the you know about
2: the controversy with that song. What's that? The Ghostbusters theme song copied. That's where okay. That's where it came from the song. Go- yes. <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News actually sued the man who wrote the Ghostbusters. Thing. Ray Parker Jr. Yes. Mm. Because his, his, his music actually very closely resembled the, the music from My Wonder New Truck. And Huey Lewis and the News won the lawsuit. And they, they now have to like put written by Huey Lewis and the News or whatever on the, on the Ghostbusters song. That's right. So my favorite song as an English teacher has to be Bad Is Bad because the song is literally about the word bad and how it is used, the connotation, and the denotation. So basically, if I were to write the song, it wouldn't have been as good because I would have said, sometimes bad follows the denotative de- definition. Correct. That's what Huey Lewis is saying in the song. He says, sometimes you'll, you'll see something, you'll think, oh, that's cool. But then you do it, and it's like, oh, that's not cool. It's just bad. Like there's a restaurant he goes to in the song. And uh, he says, "Oh, well, all you can eat for a That sounds cool. That sounds bad." And then he eats the soup, and the soup's actually just bad. The <laughs> soup is bad. And so he says, "Sometimes bad is
0: bad." And that's right. Yep. Sometimes you can't go wrong. So that's going to be our poll this week. We'd like for you to go on to our Twitter, which is at pwutpodcast, better known as P What P What Podcast. We'd love for to hear your thoughts, so please tweet at us. Our also our episode will be tweeted out when it goes live. It will go live if not today, tomorrow, which is Friday, and it will be on the internet and interwebs for you all to listen and comment and share and tell us all about it. So, any final thoughts, gentlemen? Anything you want to point out before we get out of here?
2: Well, uh, I guess the only thing I would have to say would be I am currently in a Play. Congratulations. Judgment at Nuremberg. Yes. Judgment at Nuremberg. We're going to be performing at the Hilton Center for Performing Arts. Uh, It is a production by Prince William Little Theater. I play the narrator in the play and I have a small bit role as well. It's a play about the Nuremberg trials that occurred after World War II in Nuremberg, Germany. Absolutely. It is a very uh, deep, serious play about. What can happen whenever you know things get out of hand and and you know good people end up you know being it's just a very interesting play I don't know how to word it necessarily without spoiling it, so I'll just uh say it's it's a it's a historical drama, and all the actors in the play are very talented uh, people, and we you know are very grateful to have the ability to bring this story to the stage. And our, we'll be performing it this weekend, so Friday the 11th to uh, Sunday the 13th, and next weekend as well, the 18th of October, Friday 18th, the 18th of October to uh, Sunday the 20th. And you can get tickets at pwlt.org, or you can also, there's a group on going on right now, but it may be closing soon. So if you can get a chance to come out and see it, I think you would really enjoy the history and the acting, and it, it'll make you think about, you know, what could happen to lead to those events actually happening, and, you know, what drives people to make the decisions that they make, and, you know, what do you do afterwards? You know, right. what is what, what does justice mean? You know, what decisions do you have to make afterwards to try to make some sense of it all so if you get a chance to come see it we'll be glad to see you and
1: uh that's what i'm i'm doing right now i'm gonna be sure to come out to although i won't be able to come out to it this weekend due to uh circumstances mm-hmm. yes Mr. <laughs> Lumpkin, you can tell us what is it um i'm getting married this saturday which is going to be awesome congratulations also, uh, thank you it's uh it's a little bit of uh, anxiety driven at this point but you know nervousness nervousness just trying to get everything together last minute hanging out with in-laws figuring out how to get everyone down there because it's going to be uh well we're all spread out all across the east coast trying to get family there right now so that's everything that's on my mind that's been burning a hole through my head (laughs) uh other than that and doing For some reason, trying to
0: do two art competitions this month, but (laughs) yeah. Well, I know that you'll be out tomorrow, so because I won't be able to see you, I will see you Saturday. I'll do everything I can to be there. I have my son there and my wife. We're going to be very excited to see you. And I'll
2: be there as well. Awesome.
0: This is going to be very exciting. Uh, One thing I would like to, my last final thoughts, I, I hope that we all, you know, In light of what we've heard today about the gentleman who forgave uh, what was going on, I'd like for us all to just be a little more considerate, a little more thoughtful, a little more reflective. I'd like to all look inside and go, what is really going on? Why do I feel this way? What am I gonna do about it? If there are things that you think should be changed or can be changed, do all you can to change them. If there are things that you think are working okay, think about how you can make them better. As Captain Planet would say, the power is yours. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to our episode. I'd like to thank Mr. Mole and Mr. Lunker for joining me, as always. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's always great to be with you guys. It's always fun to do the podcast. So with all that being said, it's great to see you all. It's great to talk to you all. Check us out online at PWUT Podcast or at What. And finally, as always, thank you for listening. Good night and good luck. Welcome to another exciting episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Hare, and I'm joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Lumpkin. Hello. And Mr. Moreland. Hello. We are back once again to have our weekly discussion about what it's like to be a teacher, and we have some great topics for you. I do want to start, though, before we get deep into this, to wish a hearty congratulations to Mr. Moreland, who recently got married to his beautiful wife. And i want to say congratulations and thank you for inviting me i had a great time
2: thank you very much I'm, I we were happy to have you mr lumpkin came as well and some of the other teachers at the school as well <clears throat> and i'm really glad that they did because uh it was a really joy, a great joy to have all those people that you know you work with and see on a daily basis and you come to know and come to care about uh sharing at a big event that's a really important event in my life so it was really And the food was good i hope you guys
0: enjoyed it the food was great i had quail and i had duck i was very satisfied with both the duck was awesome the cajun duck bites they were amazing although
2: i wasn't there i did i was able to to get some Mm. because they snuck some up to us before we entered the reception so excellent
0: i will say this and i I made the same (laughs) statement about the uh duck i consider duck to be athletic chicken so with all that being said, uh, again, another congratulations going out to you, Mr. Moreland. And then I also want to wish a congratulations to Mr. Lumpkin, who will be doing the same thing this coming Saturday. And I will do everything I can to get out there so that I could be there for your ceremony as well, Mr. Lumpkin. Well, we'd love to have you. Yep. We're <laughs> going to be there. My whole family's going to be there. I'm putting everybody in a car. And we're packing up. And we're all
1: going to be there. If all, if even half of the students have claimed that they're actually going to find their way there, even would to show up, the uh, the horror and chaos that would ensue already would be well, well worth, the, well worth the cost of admission, which is nothing. I know that's not true. We pay for a ticket to get into the park,
0: but still. <laughs> we did have to pay for a ticket to get into the park. In either case, I'm very excited. So with all that being said, we are going to go right into – we've got a new poll that you will be t- hearing about at the end of the episode. We're very excited for this poll. We're also going to lay out some topics for you. We have some club news recaps, and we're going to recap week seven, which is coming to a close tomorrow. We're then going to go right into our uh, – Interesting news, which each of us has a story for you. And then we got to our burning question, which I think is gonna be very exciting for us. So let's get started today. Let's jump right into it. What uh club news do we have out there for this week? What do we got going on at anime club, Mr. Mullen?
2: <clears throat> well, we have our first fundraiser this Wednesday. So and what date is that, Mr. That's um, October 16th. All right, 2019. We're at Chipotle on Liberia. So take your friends, family, co-workers, whoever, head on over to Chipotle between the hours of four and 8pm. And When you get there and you order your meal, tell them that you're there to support Manassas Park High School's Anime Club. And 30% of the proceeds from their sale that night from that time will be given to Manassas Park's Anime Club in hopes that we can eventually uh, be able to afford to go to a convention this year.
0: Excellent. Those conventions, they're very exciting. I'm hoping you guys can make a great day trip out of one of them. I Hope there's some great cosplay when you're out there. And I'm very excited for the Anime Club to have this meal at Chipotle. This is going to be great. Mr. Lumpkin, Game Club, what's going on? Right now, Game Club's kind of in a weird space because we're a little changing up the format a little bit.
1: And I wish that Mr. Moreland could have been able to join me, but I know you've got a lot going on with the play that's going on this week in rehearsals. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, we're looking at changing up the format a little bit. Before, like last uh, semester, we were pretty much every Wednesday we'd be coming in. We'd be playing Dungeons & Dragons, which was a big event that was held by one of our <laughs> Uh, leadership in the actual club and he's looking at trying to change it the way that format was going because going into this semester the focus has changed a little bit there's a whole lot more card games people are coming in we had i think around about eight nine people playing magic the gathering for two hours straight almost this past wednesday and we're looking at changing the format a little bit we're still doing it on every wednesday um but i think there's some changes coming. We're still trying to figure that out. Whether that ends up being a different day, whether that ends up being uh, something that we have to kind of communicate with other people with figuring out D&D, or just change the games that we're looking at. We don't know yet, but changes are coming. I think another
2: good idea would probably be, if if any students are interested, maybe trying to figure out a way to create our own games, Mm -hmm. like using RPG Maker. There's other programs you could use as well. And creating a game. I mean, one of my biggest dreams as a teacher teaching literature would be for a student to read a novel and then create a game version of that novel using RPG maker. But that would be like a really intense That'd project. A very would take intense a long time. That would take that a, would long
0: time. a long time. <laughs> you, may, you know, if you did that as maybe less so as an individual project, but as a crowdsource project where yeah. different people in the classroom work on different elements of the game, mm-hmm. that could be a lot of fun because, I, you know, in one of my classes, we, we had a tournament, a Smash Brothers tournament, and that tied directly into an assignment where we talked about, it allowed me to have different teams where different people had to converse about what happened They had to talk about their experience. They had to uh, reminisce on it. And I, I've been listening to those podcasts. They actually they came out really well uh-huh. by just giving them more topics to talk about. And one of the things we talked about the week before was our video games art, which I you know we've had this discussion in the past, Mr. Morland. but uh, I I was really excited to hear what the students had to say about it. So I think giving them the option to make a video game would be a great idea. I really like that a lot. So all that being said, we all have interesting news stories. Uh, Mr. Morrill, I know you said you pulled up a story, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, tell us what you got first.
2: <clears throat> so if, if you're not familiar with the story, there's a police officer in, uh, I believe, Dallas, Texas, who was working a really long shift, and she came home. She thought it was her home. It was not her apartment. And when she walked in, she saw a man that she didn't know because, you know, obviously she doesn't know who he is, but she shot him and killed him. And then she realized it wasn't her apartment. It was his apartment that she had literally broken into and killed him in his own apartment. And so she was charged with murder and she was convicted. But at the sentencing, uh, the brother of the man who was murdered forgave her and gave her a hug. And he even told her that he didn't even want her to have to go to jail. He didn't know if it was possible, but he didn't want her to go to jail if it could be done. And it was a really emotional situation. A lot of people were shocked by it in myself included. yeah. And she was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the murder. And, you know, everybody was crying and it was just like a really emotional, almost like surreal experience. I, I, every time I listened to the story on the radio or watched it on TV, every time I saw it, I was just shocked every time, just like how, you know, strong that man
1: had to be to do that act, to forgive her for that action. looking at two very different extremes, the extremes of mistakes that can happen and can happen pretty naturally if everything is believed. I'm not as familiar with the story as you are, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. And the extreme of what can be human forgiveness in a situation which you would think would be nigh unforgivable, Mm -hmm. like unimaginable. So that's, yeah, I think surreal is absolutely the right word for that because it just seems so beyond what we think of in the everyday. Yeah, I mean, like I get emotional and upset about, things, I mean, you wouldn't be, you'd be
2: surprised because I'm I'm usually pretty, you know, cool when, when it comes to like teaching, but some of the stuff our kids deal with, I get really upset about it. Absolutely, Mr. Hare knows we've had discussions and Mr. Lumpkin too. I get really upset about some of the problems our kids are going through and it just eats at me and it gets me really upset. But this guy, his, his, his brother was murdered and he forgave the person who did it. And it's just really, it's surreal because you, you. I, I mean, I don't know about everybody, but I wish I could be as strong as this guy to forgive, you know, the people who
0: do harm to the people I care about. Absolutely. And it's really great, I think, to see that he had it in him to say, you know, my brother would not want this. Like My brother would not want vengeance. You know, most people, when they, they think they want justice, but instead they, they want to see some punitive action taken against someone who wronged them. And for him to say, you know, my brother wouldn't want this. So in his spirit, just try to carry on that legacy of, you know, I want to honor my brother and do that. And I I felt something that, you know, I've got four brothers. And if anything happened to any one of my brothers, I would obviously be in grief and I would be shaken and I would be hurt. But to fight through that, to then say, you know, I, I forgive you, that helps him as well. It helps him heal. It helps his family heal. And hopefully, you know, She has to live with that. Like, yes, she may have made a mistake, and yes, it cost a man his life, but now she now has to live with that guilt, and it may help her with something to know, like, hey, we've forgiven you on that. Mm -hmm. So that's a really great story, and I really appreciate you bringing that up, Mr. Morland. Mr. Lumpkin, I know you had something really interesting you wanted to talk about at the box office this week. What you got for us? Absolutely. So as. A group that normally talks a little
1: bit about superheroes and some supervillains in the pre- previous podcast. I figured it would be ad hoc to kind of talk about what just happened this past week with going to box offices on the fourth. Because the Joker film finally came out that everyone was so excited about and everyone was getting really high reviews. I personally have not seen it. I don't think any of us have seen it yet, but we're all really excited to. Absolutely. But what ended up being a bigger story over the past week or even two weeks is the whole controversy that surrounded it, right? Because people were very afraid that having a film that was portraying either acts of violence in this way or making or having a film that makes people very anxious, showing someone going through the stuff that the character, the Joker, goes through. Through. Like, it, there's a reason why the, the the actual story behind the Joker is the worst day ever, and having that one bad day making something else out of Correct. it, making someone else out of it. And it, from what people were saying, again, I haven't seen it, uh, it shows that very genuine. Being put down as a human being again and again and again and then showing what happens out of that or how someone might respond to that. And everyone was either really concerned that that would cause violence. People were worried that oh, you should yeah. bring a buddy to go to the film or don't go to this film because people will act the out. The worst could it. happen, yeah. Exactly. And, of course, none of that ever happened. Uh, nothing no, Nothing bad that. has happened at this point. Yeah. But the question kind of came out because of that, and it's kind of a question that's been permeating the media for a little bit. Does portrayal of violence thus incite violence? And I, I think that ends up being a really interesting question because you can look at that as far as games go, and people have looked at that a lot as far as games go. They have. I feel like it's very interesting that we have this portrayal and having a media that's, uh, well, having a media outlet like through films or through video games or through art, being able to show a very human experience of going through either trauma or tragedy and seeing what can be, unfortunately, a human response to that, which kind of goes almost just opposed to the other story that Morland brought up, seeing someone who takes that and then either wants vengeance against the world in general or against a certain set of people like i yeah i I thought that was a very interesting discussion that's kind of going on out of that well i haven't seen the movie either but it kind of reminds me of a movie if you
2: guys are familiar called falling down Mm -hmm. starring michael douglas about this guy who just breaks right and he just goes on this rampage and he rants about all this stuff and it's interesting because if you watch the movie you might see some things in the guy that make you upset too. Like it they may not be like the crazy things he does, but there's like a part where he goes to a restaurant, like a McDonald's and he gets upset because they don't serve breakfast after 11 and he gets there like 10 59. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's just little things like that that he kind of blows up into big situations. And like you're sitting there laughing and thinking, you know, Oh, he's got a point and it's like a really weird movie. But then at the end of the movie, he realizes he's the bad guy right and the police officer's like you went nuts you you've you know you had a bad day and you just broke and and now you're doing things you wouldn't normally do you're you know you're unstable and he's like wait a minute i'm the bad guy i think sometimes people people don't realize that like when they react the way they react to things whether it's you know something small they overreact to or just something big that you know maybe they approach the wrong way they think what they're doing is right but it may not be the best route to, to take. And it's just kind of interesting because actors sometimes, like they, the ones who play villains in movies will even say that they'll say, I don't play the role like I'm a bad guy because my character wouldn't think they were doing the wrong thing. They think what they're doing is right, but it's not
1: because they have a different perspective. I just you know? find it so strange that after, because sympathetic villains are a fairly normal thing at this mm-hmm. point right now. If we have good writing, we want the villains or the bad guy to have a reason behind what they're doing and i found it strange that when we have a film that's specifically doing that giving the reasons why this villain is a villain and explaining it and showing it that people were like oh no that's terrible i i, I don't understand i guess the idea of having the sympathetic portrayal i guess people were worried that they would more so identify with it yeah but i think that's i think that's the
2: whole point because anybody could be a person who can make a mistake. Everybody mm-hmm. makes mistakes. Absolutely. It's like, what do you do when you make a mistake? Do you own up to it and try to make amends, or do you say, "Oh, well, I'm I'm right"? Like, no matter what, I'm right. Even if sure. I did something wrong, I'm right. And that's not the way to go. Because, like, you know, we can learn from things that we do. We we can apologize for the the errors that we have and and learn from them and grow from them. But I think villains. The difference between a villain and a regular person is a villain does things in spite of what the effect it has on the other
0: people is correct i i actually i'm really interested in the idea of having a movie about the joker i prefer if there was a batman element to it i'm not sure if he's in the movie or not i mean batman's one of my favorite heroes so i want to see batman and that's just from me personally but i don't i think the idea of the joker is better when there is no concrete origin so this movie giving it a definite origin I think that when you try to take away that mystique, I think that hurts the character. I really like how Heath Ledger had three different stories of how he got those scars. And I found it interesting that that's how the comic books portray it. It's like, I, in one of them, the Joker even says, I want my my history to be multiple choice so he can make up whatever he wants on that day. Um, so for me personally, I think it's a great, for the art form, I think, hey, a movie that's not your stereotypical uh superhero movie where they punch the bad guy and they make jokes about it i I think as long as they're going in a different direction i think that's a good thing not a bad thing can i hear more (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> our last our, our last story is my story uh, and I'm very excited about this uh, this week the Nobel Prize is being awarded for the five uh, uh, sciences that win the Nobel Prize uh, the physics the Nobel Prize in Physics was awarded on Tuesday and it was awarded to a cosmologist a uh, astronomer of a, a physicist an American physicist uh, his name is James Peebles and he is a professor emeritus at Princeton University. He won for his theoretical discoveries in cosmology about what happened soon after the Big Bang. It was also shared with two other Swiss astronomers, uh, Michael Mayer and Dieter Quilos. They both were also awarded and they all shared uh, in this year's Nobel Prize. Um, As a stargazer, as a child, I was very invested in the skies and in the night skies and the heavens. So I Excuse me. Spent a lot of my time looking up at the sky, trying to figure out what it what is out there. Uh, these gentlemen asked the question, "Are we alone?" They did not come up with an answer, but they did find out more about where we came from. So, I again, I, I'm always excited to see when the Nobel Prize in Physics is awarded. I always get a, a little tingly when I hear that we got oh, we got a new Nobel Prize winner. I gotta, I gotta check it out. And so I did. I'm very excited. Uh, congratulations to Dr. Peebles, and <laughs> and that was mine for the week. So that was my little nerd moment for the week. Speaking of stargazing. Uh-oh. <laughs> do you remember Jack Corheimer? I do remember Jack I,
2: I, When I was a kid, I thought he was the funniest guy on, on TV because every time he came on, he would tell you what stars you could see in the sky,
0: right? Yes. And, yep. and that, he would that fly night that in
2: and he would sit on Saturn's ring while he told you about it.
0: He did. The old green screen magic. Yep. I used to watch him uh, on a weekly basis.
2: And had that weird, like almost sci-fi sounding music with like the, I think it might have been a theremin. Pre-X,
0: Pre-X-Files. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, this is a while ago. Anyway. I was that guy was awesome. I used to love uh, seeing what constellations were out. Uh, I used to. He also used to talk about the uh, meteor showers. So the Perseids and the Oviids, uh, He would always talk about those. Uh, we've got new ones. Um, we've got new uh, showers coming up soon. Actually, let me see if I can find that for you. But uh, it is always exciting to me to talk more about guys that did work out in the fields of science that. I'm a part of. Oh, okay. I'm being shown pictures
1: now, net that, that looks okay. That that's bringing up some very, very distant memories.
0: As an, as a '90s kid, it's 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 still back there somewhere. <laughs> oh gosh. So I do want to tell you on the 21st of October, just so that we can have some more talk, we are going to have the Orionids, which is a meteor shower. They'll be at their peak, which are going to come from the uh, Orion. A constellation which you can see in the southern sky so if you're interested in seeing some shooting stars look for them in the sky on october 21st and october 22nd that's incredible
1: that's incredible i'm still looking forward to the day that we can actually teach
0: astronomy here <laughs> i i agree with you completely oh. so i'd like to uh let's see here we might have to we've got a few minutes left so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to go right into our burning question